Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special holiday episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, this is Maggie, and we are joined by our special guest, Jade. You might recognize her from the episode we did on 1999's The Mummy. How are you doing, Jade? I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be back. We are so excited to have you back. I know this has been like a long time coming and we've been trying to find like good episodes for this to work and also like dealing with people's calendars. So we are super excited to have you back to do what I think theoretically will be going out as the second of our Christmas episodes, but we're recording it first. (laughs) Well, I mean... Who knows? I don't know. It's going to be fine. Um, (laughs) A Christmas episode that we are doing this year, um, The Muppets Christmas Carol. I don't know. Had any of you guys seen this one before? No, this was actually my first time ever watching it. I don't know how I made it this long without ever seeing it, but I did. So, wait, Maggie, had you seen it before? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was about to be like, this is a podcast first. I had seen a movie that Maggie hadn't, but nope. We had that before. Have we? I don't think we have. Maybe. Um, No, I actually, I think had confused this and other versions of A Christmas Carol to form like some sort of hybrid, (laughs) all-inclusive version of the story in my head. And then as I was watching this, I like there were certain shots and stuff that I was like, oh no, this is the version that I was thinking of. I I'd never seen it ever. So this was like a nice new thing because it's hard for me to find stuff, especially in Christmas, because you tend to like repeat the same classics. And I was like, it's kind of refreshing to watch something that I actually have not seen before. Yeah. And you are. Do you like the Muppets in general? I okay. People are going to shoot me. No, (laughs) (laughs) I don't dislike the Muppets, but I'm not. I feel like people from my generation like love it. Like my cousin is obsessed. He watches everything that Jim Henson has ever done. And I'm like, I watch Sesame Street. The end. (laughs) (laughs) The the classic division. Sesame Street or the Muppets. Um, I was actually having a conversation with my roommate about this last night and how like neither she nor I actually really like grew up watching the Muppets. And it's kind of something that like we saw certain Muppet films later. And like I do like the Muppet Treasure Island is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's hysterical. (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of the same way where Patrick loves the Muppets. He actually went as the Swedish chef for Halloween. (laughs) Which, spot on. R- really good impression. But I, I, there is a special place in my heart, even if it's not as nostalgic as a lot of folks' like relationship with, with the content. Honestly, my favorite Jim Henson universe's thing is more The Labyrinth, if I'm being uh, honest. <laughs> I was going to say, like I've seen other things. Um, and I know enough about them up. It's like to know all the characters. It's just like such a part of your life. I feel like when you're a nineties baby, but I'm yeah. not a person that like has watched the entire library of like <laughs> Muppet themed stuff. There's a lot on there. I noticed when I was searching for this one on Disney plus also, I think maybe we should all just like food for thought at the end of the episode, we come back and say who we think our favorite Muppet is. And I say who we think because mine will likely change multiple times over the course of recording this. I was like, I'm that's down. hard. That's so hard. 
I know. So a little background on this, and then we'll get more into like the meat of our watch notes. Um, so this was a 1992 Christmas musical comedy. I believe that's the year we were all born. Or Jade, are you a 1991 baby? I'm a 91 baby. <laughs> okay. Oh, so close. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> It was directed by Brian Henson, who is Jim Henson's son, and this was his feature directorial debut, and this was actually the first Muppet film produced following the death of Jim Henson and the death of Richard Hunt, who played, or traditionally played characters such as like Scooter and Beaker and Sweetums. Um, So this kind of marks like a little bit of changing of the guard almost. I had no clue because it still feels... I I don't know, it's such a part of the spiritual essence of the Muppets, which is a really wishy-washy way of saying it, but it it feels right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and part of that's probably because the screenplay was written by Jerry Jewell, who had done a lot of the other Muppet screenplays, because this was actually the fourth, like, Muppets franchise movie. So that's probably why it feels so, like, right as part of the catalog. It also stars... um, Well, first off, it stars Kermit, Miss Piggy, Gonzo, the (laughs) gang, and then also stars Michael Caine as Ebenezer Scrooge, and I think he is perfect. Love. (laughs) I love Michael Caine in general, but I just like that I feel like depending on where you're born, everybody has like a generation of Michael Caine, like that's how long he's been around, and like my first thought was like, Austin Powers' dad is in the Muppet <laughs> movie, even though I've seen him in so many other things. But that was like the first thing I think I remember seeing him in before I went back and watched like all of his other stuff. <laughs> yeah, and he's so good. And I actually was reading that he like went into this being like, "I'm gonna play this so straight and dramatically. Like I am not gonna wink at the camera. Like I'm going to play a- across from these Muppets like as if I would serious Shakespearean actors. And I think it works. It does. It does a hundred percent. And I had that note when, with Christmas Future where he is just given the performance of his life to this mm-hmm. absurd puppet. I loved I almost- it. <laughs> feel like it made it funnier because you let the Muppets handle the comedy in the movie. And I was I was really impressed because I was like, I would have laughed at so many different points, especially with the like hideous ghost of Christmas past doll. <laughs> I was like, that thing is insanely creepy to me. Yes. I could not keep a straight face. Yeah, I think it does a good job of like allowing it to have a little bit of a darker tone because he's going so dramatic. But then, of course, you have the balance with the Muppets with the comedy. And also, I was just like, give this man an Oscar because he has to be mean to some of the cutest things in the world, like that little rabbit puppet and Kermit the Frog. All the bookkeeping rats. Yes. (laughs) And then... I guess last little bit of background, uh, score by Miles Goodman, and then the songs were written by Paul Williams. So like we said, this is a musical, and it is, of course, an adaptation of the, nope, not 19, 1843 (laughs) novella A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. The sad thing is I've made that error in my notes, too. (laughs) Imagine that being written in 1943. (laughs) Shall we jump into watch notes? Yes. We pick up with Gonzo playing Charles Dickens doing the narration, which apparently they did because they wanted to keep kind of like that, like the Dickens voice in all of it. 
Um, so you have the narration. And apparently Gonzo got to be Dickens because he was, quote unquote, the least likely to be cast as Charles Dickens. Oh, see, playing counter to like, the, the, it's perfect. <laughs> I fully approve. And then, of course, you have Rizzo there to be like the sassy, like comedic timing, because it does start with the what is it like the Marleys were dead. Yes. <laughs> Decaying. I just like their comedy throughout the whole movie was killing me because even their the physical comedy like in the very beginning when he picks up Rizzo and uses him to like clean off the dirty window. <laughs> it like, sets such that? a good tone. It does. Because this story is so heavy. Yeah, well, and you even have the my name's Charles Dickens from Gonzo followed by Rizzo just saying, and my name is Rizzo the Rat. And I was just like, <laughs> yes, this is the tone we have. It's the tone we want because you have like the darker, more serious story, mm-hmm. but like you got to lighten it up. And the creating scarcity line gets me every time. It's so stupid, but so good. They're selling apples and Rizzo's eating the apples and they're like, Uh I'm raising the price by eating them. No, you're just eating the merchandise. (laughs) (laughs) We have a fantastic intro to Scrooge where you have like the lighting and the mist and kind of Mm. it's like that off angle shot from, is it still called a Dutch angle if it's from underneath or is that only if it's overhead? We'll call it a low Dutch angle. For okay. the purposes of this podcast. Yeah, so it's a low Dutch angle. Um, but you have him mostly in shadow too. You don't actually see his face until I think the end of that opening song where everyone's singing about how mean he is. Which I hope I never walk down the street and everyone is singing a song about how mean I am. It was it looked really good too. I said this also during the mummy, but I was impressed at like how well it just held up in general. Because it was in ninety two and like at no point when I was watching it was I like this looks old or this looks low budget. Like you said, the lighting, the angles, like everything was so well done. And we're like, how old are we now? I'm gonna be thirty and a week so yeah it's like over well over 20 years old to still look that good yeah i think there was like only one special effect where i was just like oh like you really see the special effect and you're like oh that's old was it the like swirly christmas future no it was when christmas present starts to disappear and you've got like the lights on oh Oh, see that's just the right level of uh what's the word like schmaltz and yeah I don't know. That one works. But for me. in general, like, one, the set design's amazing, especially mm-hmm. considering that, like, you are having to build, you're, you're building a massive, like, historical set. You're building a set that has to accommodate both human actors and, and puppets. puppets. Like, the, the challenge of that, and then to have it all look so good and so real, mm-hmm. you have, like, the mist really creating that, like, industrial victorian atmosphere like it looks like it's cold there and it looks like it's miserable there and i also want another shovel of coal on the fire (laughs) and i do want to point out the way that they colorized this film is on point so contributing to that kind of dark cold sort of environment and even how they match the visual mood to the like content mood you get that through how chilly everything just looks everything and looks chilly it's and miserable. Yeah, i think i was like it looks very le Mis yeah. to me <laughs> even the puppets like starvation like some of the puppets to me just looked weary 
Yes. I don't know how one makes a puppet look weary, but they did. And I was also impressed because I couldn't really see any two that looked the same. Like, just no. from a cursory glance, at no point was I like, oh, they just, like, mass-generated that same puppet. It's like every single one was unique and different and fit the scene that they were in, like, so, so well. For sure. No, I remember, and I remember that from Labyrinth, too. I think that just might be a Jem Henson thing, that I, f- mm-hmm. I feel like they really put in the effort to everything looks unique and all of and like there are crowd scenes there are crowd scenes with like quite a few puppets i do i do think that is part of the kind of appeal of his work is really that artistry and i love it yeah and And even the costuming on the puppets too like yeah it's intricate (laughs) yeah because it would be so easy to not differentiate them, especially for things like the the mice and the, you know, like you could have very easily put them at least in the same outfit and no one would have said anything. Right. And for me too, I know Jade, you mentioned it with Gonzo and Rizzo at the beginning, but just the way everything moves. Uh, well, I should say every do, puppet do, do, moves. Do, 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 do. They have the bounce. Uh-huh. But it's <laughs> distinct based on how each puppet would move. So like when you look at the little mice family or mouse family. The Mises. There's yeah, no the Mises. Jesus for the Mises. The Mises. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite line from that song. Yes. <laughs> it's so great. So great. So great. Yeah. So do we want to move into talking about like that first scene with Bob Cratchit and Scrooge? Yes, please. Because Michael <laughs> Caine's performance is solid here. Only someone with that much gravitas can say bah humbug and it like sound legit. Yeah. I just feel like in general, whenever you do a Christmas Carol, it's automatically a challenge because much like Romeo and Juliet, it's been done so many times to like Mm. not make your performance like every other one that has been done before to me would be really difficult and I didn't feel repetitiveness from Michael Caine at all like and I've seen at least six versions of (laughs) of the Christmas Carol that I can think of and that's not including like live stage plays so I was really delighted with how he handled that character and like I said iconic lines like the bah humbug he almost like threw it away like he he didn't even put it it's like it's so it felt more real to me because I feel like I've seen other actors be like bah humbug like you know this is the line (laughs) that makes you Scrooge and he was just like I'm not even gonna look up just like bah humbug like get out of my office yeah (laughs) not worthy of my energy even like like, he didn't play him as a caricature like he played him as like a real person, person which when you're going up against like puppets (laughs) like that's something although i will say like even like the kermit is bob cratchit like every muppet casting was also like the perfect muppet casting Mm -hmm. kind of like who's a better bob cratchit than kermit no one how can you look at that fate that little frog face and not feel so sad for him i always feel bad for kermit no matter what the movie is (laughs) kermit always gets such a raw deal It doesn't help that now in this generation, he's been used for, like, countless memes. So now I, like, really cannot take the frog seriously. (laughs) Yes. I'm just picturing him with the glass of Lipton tea. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Poor guy. 
So to transition a little bit to the writing kind of in that set of scenes, we, we do get an introduction to Scrooge's nephew comes in is like, hey, I'm super jolly. I'm going to be your complete foil. Fred. Fred. I think it's Fred. Fred. I think so. Fred. But not only the writing, but also the, the way that the cast kind of delivers them, I think just adds to that comedic and in my view joyful element of it so especially when you have the collectors for the charity coming in and more great lines where scrooge is essentially like no i don't have money for the poor and his nephew's like oh that's a lie (laughs) it's great I, i did i write that down let me see yeah, it's, I cannot afford to make idle people ha- happy. And then his nephew goes, certainly untrue. <laughs> and this is like a, a banter back and forth, yeah. which I just, yeah. th- that timing is so important to the effect of that whole scene. And mm-hmm. even though it's, you know, dark and dismal, and we obviously see Scrooge as kind of the villain, like, it's great. I That feels like such a real family relationship, too, right? Like, where yeah. you you have, like... The grouchy relative, but like they're still your relatives. Like you're still gonna go say like Merry Christmas, or if we're in the UK, Happy Christmas. And like you're like they're still your family, and you're still gonna try and like Scrooge still like tolerates Fred to a certain degree, and like Scrooge reminds me of like that one relative that has a different political party than everyone else in the family. (laughs) (laughs) It's like oh, we love Uncle Scrooge, but. Just Gosh, don't talk politics with him. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask Scrooge who he voted for. For <laughs> yeah, you have the cute little song. I will. I will say just in general with the songs, like I think they're cute. Mm-hmm. I think the only one that really like stands out for me is kind of the the one Scrooge sings like on Christmas Day at the very end. Do you mean the one when he's yeah. with Christmas present no. or at the end? Oh, at the end. At okay. the end. Um, that's the only one that kind of like really like sticks in my mind and stands out for me. I'd say just in general, they're like kind of, they're cute, but like not super memorable. Memorable. Um, that's re- rememberable. Rememberable. <laughs> I like Ooh. rememberable. Let's stay with that Okay, one. thank you. <laughs> it's going to be more memorable than memorable, yeah. in fact. <laughs> moving on, moving on. No, I, kind of, I get what you're saying, though. Like they were a nice little break, but it didn't make me want to buy the soundtrack. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah no bangers in there for you no, no bangers, bangers in there for me oh unfortunately uh, so i know it i feel like it to some extent was kind of a, a wasted opportunity but also like i don't i don't want to try and say that this wasn't a, a delightful movie even though the the music was somewhat of a throwaway for me yeah i feel like that's almost like yeah. not the point of it agreed mm-hmm. but yeah oh i'm wait 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 Sorry, I just remembered the song that the Marleys sing, and I'm sorry that. Oh, one I do is like that. Yeah, that one is a banger. Yeah. The Marley song is a banger. <laughs> Speaking of the Marleys, I love when, as Christmas Eve like happens, there's the line that Gonzo has about like Scrooge not lighting the lamps at first, and it's "Darkness was cheap, and Scrooge liked it." <laughs> I love that line. I think that's that's got to be from the novella, right? Yeah, I would hope. Well, I think so. <laughs> I would that think sounds so. like a Dickens line. They're, but speaking yeah. of that, oh, go ahead, Jade. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say the Marleys in general. Just like I pretty much laughed through that entire sequence. Yes. <laughs> perfect casting. So perfect. perfect. And I mean to talk about kind of the way they shift the mood of the film. There, like immediately leading up, immediately leading up to that, it's you know Christmas evening and. Uh, 
Bob Cratchit and the rat accountants are like going out into the Christmas Eve night. And this is again where I saw that physicality with like the ice skating penguins and then just like having so much fun. It felt warm, even though it was a dark Christmas December night or Christmas Eve night, I should say. And then between the sound and the way that they shot it at, I think, a high Dutch angle. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I, and we should take a wind. film We're seminar. We're just going to explain all the Dutch angles. <laughs> <laughs> you get real specific. But you immediately feel that creepy shift to leading into the it's dark, but Scrooge doesn't care. Like he lives in the creepiness and the yeah. darkness. and He lives in the soul. cheapness. Well, yes. <laughs> um, and yes, it is his soul. Um, I also like that Gonzo reminds us, please remember that the Marleys are dead and rotting in their grave. <laughs> you need to remember this. <laughs> and of course, you have Rizzo being like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's so dark. In case you forgot. But yeah. I, it was like one of the main thoughts I had when I was watching this is that it's still to me a much lighter take on this story because generally speaking, I don't even like a Christmas Carol because while I think it's like an important story, like I would never show this to my kids because it would terrify them. And it's super heavy. It makes me reflect on my own mortality too much. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, no child is going to enjoy this. And like, again, I've seen other versions, the animated one where Jim Carrey was Scrooge. It was like super well done, but I was like, any kid below the age of 12 is going to be horrified. (laughs) And I like that even though they shift and like you feel the darkness and you feel the heavy, at no point was I afraid. And I mean, of course I'm old now, but like if I had kids with me, I don't think they would see, for example, the Marley ghost and be like, Oh crap, I cannot sleep tonight. (laughs) Right. Whereas we see them as hilarious because the Marley ghosts for being tortured and suffering in hell in their chains mm-hmm. are hilarious. They're hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's a great song. You are it's right. That one is a banger. But like, again, like in the Jim Carrey one, I just like remember distinctly, like one of the ghosts, like jaws falls off at one point while he's talking. And I'm like, <laughs> like kids everywhere are going to be traumatized for the rest of their life <laughs> from this one scene. <laughs> Yeah, there there will be like 10 years from now, some kid who has their own movie podcast who will be talking about that scene and how it traumatized them. Like, yeah, I do want to say, though, the doorknob effect leading Mm -hmm. up to that song where it like morphs into the face of one of the Marleys. I really liked that. I like that. It was fun and reminded me of uh, where was the there was a scene very similar with a similar idea in Labyrinth Labyrinth. with the door knockers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I love that they are like kind of toying with and perfecting the same sort of effects as they kind of continue in the line of Henson mm-hmm. di- dynasty. I don't know. Sure. Whatever you want to call it. Um, I do also just want to call it the shot of Scrooge eating by the fire and like a fairly sparse apartment. He's like in his best dressing gown. And yeah. And I think to some extent, he's supposed to look a little bit miserable and like lonely. But I'm going to be perfectly honest. I was huddled up in a blanket and very cold as I was watching this movie last night. And I was like, that looks delightful. (laughs) Food and fire and being left alone. (laughs) The introvert in me was like, ideal. (laughs) Yes. 
the other part of me was like, I don't want to be sad like Scrooge. <laughs> I don't want to be sad. There is always an underlying, like, t- to use a favorite Ian term, ennui <laughs> to uh, Michael Caine's Scrooge. And that's why it's so good. Because even at the end of the Marley song, it, it so quickly switches from this terror into a very specific flavor of sadness where it's not just sadness, but there's like some dread in there and some, the beginnings and shimmerings of some like self-reflection and like, wait, what am I actually doing here? Mm -hmm. So again, Michael Caine. (laughs) He's great for a reason. I do also want to point out visually too, in his apartment, you always feel like you are like watching this guy from the shadows. Mm -hmm. Like there is a, um, like you are the peeping tom. It's it's, like, it's never super, welcoming. Yeah. Like you you feel like you shouldn't be in that space. It's like creepy. it's an unwelcoming space. You are in you're in his cheap shadow <laughs> anytime you're in yes. his apartment. <laughs> Absolutely. We have the lovely little bit of comedy of Gonzo and Rizzo on the windowsill and being like, oh, he never yep. opens this window. <laughs> opens it. Go- uh, Rizzo has a line that says, uh, God save my little broken body. And I was like, that's how I feel after solid core workout classes. <laughs> Where I'm just like, why? Everyone can relate. <laughs> why did Everyone I do this? Can relate. <laughs> but that's what I meant. There's those nice little breaks that they give us so it never gets too like oh my god i'm just like depressed through this entire movie yeah they cut in at all of the like like between the emotional beats so there's always like the little bit of relief and laughter but then it's like okay back to examining your life yeah having that comedic break is super important but what was not comedic for me was that uh ghost of christmas past puppet like burned into my brain oh my god thank you it's creepy it is the creepiest one i was so preoccupied by the face of i like couldn't really focus on anything else it was like the annabelle of (laughs) christmas spirits to me who designed that puppet and why (laughs) i mean i guess the past is supposed to be haunting uh, it was haunting. It was creepy. Yes. And plus, it's like, it looks almost like it was in water with the way it kind of like moves and flows. And then you yes. have the very childlike voice to it. It's a nightmare. That that puppet is a nightmare. It is. I like, yeah, I'm at a loss for words to uh, how to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It just makes me think of a very creepy porcelain mask. Yes. So originally, apparently, when they were like working on the script, they had talked about having like key Muppets be like the three ghosts, but then eventually decided like, no, we'll fill them in as the other parts and like just design puppets specifically for those parts, which I'm like, I kind of like, with the exception of Christmas Past. (laughs) I'm just not down with that puppet design. I I just Googled a picture just to see, and it's still incredibly frightening. (laughs) 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 It's just such an ugly Amazing. puppet. <laughs> it's it's very the face. I feel like it's because the face is so flat and kind of it's expressionless. It's also the only puppet that doesn't really look like a puppet. It's like I don't know how to articulate. It's a little the, too humanoid. It's a little too human. There's nothing squishy or stuffed about it. It's just like a flat. <laughs> 
scary face. <laughs> I, I do think it kind of falls into that kind of uncanny valley stage of mm-hmm. things where the face is just childlike enough, but not childlike enough for us to believe it's real. No. <laughs> yeah. It almost would have worked as the the future one predicting death. Like that would have also terrified me. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, honestly, Pass is the one that scares me the most if we're talking about just pure most. puppet. But we learn where at least part of Scrooge's bitterness comes from. He's at the school. I love early on, you have the kids running by and he's like, and there's my best friend Edmund. And then later he's like, I spent a lot of time alone. And I was love. like, well, what about Edmund, your best friend? You saw Edmund. He was running away. True. Because it's, it's Scrooge has thing, to stay though. at school. Because I feel like people rarely realize that they're the problem until, like, after everything has happened. And, like, you can tell that Scrooge has, like, no recollection of, like, pushing his friends away. Because he refers to them, oh, my best friend. (laughs) Oh, actually, I spent a lot of time alone. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, like, I kind of hated them and they kind of hated me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I love the little montage of Scrooge kind of, like, growing up in the school. I think that's really cute. Um, Sam Eagle would be <laughs> the teacher. And the way he delivers the word business every time. <laughs> just I just cracked up. My degree is a business degree. You mean and business. I, business. Yeah. And I can't wait business. to just be like, yes, I have a degree in business. <laughs> it just like makes so much sense of who Scrooge became. Like if that's your professor, makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I love when he says that's the American way and they're like, he's like, that's the British way. (laughs) I was like the one liners in this movie, but I love when kids movies do that because like, obviously that's going to go right over a child's head that has no meaning to them. But like, if you're older and you're watching it, like I died laughing at that part. The American way. Oops. Yeah, same. (laughs) Um, I also love that, like, when Scrooge is ready to be, like, sent out into the world to have a career in business, he's, like, 12. Yeah. Like, (laughs) it's Victorian England. I, I, and they start working when they were, like, seven and a half. I, there's this podcast that I love called The Dollop that's like a history podcast and they tell like these crazy stories from history and inevitably anything that starts in like the 1800s, they'll give you this whole spiel of events that like happens to this person and then they're like, and then when they turned 14 and you're like, wait a second, I was picturing like a 50 year old by this time. What happened? Like, I don't have that worth of it now and I'm a fully grown adult. <laughs> the Puritan work ethic I, is a scam. Absolutely a scam. Could not agree more. Like it, that that's when I started to feel sorry for him though. Like in every version, it's when they flash back to him as a kid that I'm like, dang, I, I'm starting to understand like why you are the way that you are. Like with your lack of friends. Like I, it is so much more powerful, like of a story when like you understand how Scrooge got the way he is because one, it makes him more human. And two, it's like, this could be you. Like you, we all have things like in our lives that like probably cause us to like act certain ways or like have certain responses that you're like, that's not healthy, but it goes back like so far. Yeah. But I will say the, old rubber chicken factory scene <laughs> which just the setting of that kills. I, yes and Fozzie Bear 
as uh, and I love that it was Fozzywig and moms instead of like a something and sons. Yes, it's great. But that was I, I viewed Foz Fozzywig's uh, mentorship as kind of an off ramp from his upbringing. Well, it's so funny because he describes him as ruthless. And he, yes. he's the nicest man. Clearly not. Yeah. In, in his line about the the fact that it's like a Christmas charity, not a charity, but when, when he's talking about the cost of the holiday party, he's like, it's Christmas. I don't care. I want to have this twice a year. <laughs> like, yeah. Very clear indication that Scrooge needs to maybe think about what he's saying a little bit, but he's not reading what Fozzie Bear is laying down. <laughs> no. And then we meet Belle. Ugh. I love their meat. His love. It's very cute meat. I'm such a romance person. I'm like a, such a Disney girl. I'm really picky about how people meet and whether or not it feels like realistic or not. It is such a small moment, but they did a really good job of like, first only get like two seconds of them like staring at each other dramatically. I like felt the romance. I felt the tension. I was like, that's very skillfully done because I've seen a lot of stuff recently where like it just didn't make sense how they went from, oh, we just met to like, I would die for you over the course of like 10 minutes. And like, I felt the room shift when he like turned around and saw her for the first time. So I was like, that's big thumbs up for that one. Yeah, those actors had really nice chemistry. It's also such an interesting meet-cute because, like, we know it doesn't pan out, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. we're looking at the past and we know what Scrooge is in the present. So we're like, even if you've never seen the story before, you're like, something happened. And what happens? But they go straight into it. Oh, my Thank God. For- the the one uh, Christmas that he asked not to see. <laughs> See. You knew they were going there right away. Yeah. Sangita and I were both like, oh, you can't you can't demand. Like you can't make demands right now. Especially we're like, not no, no, that no. Creepy ghost child. She's gonna do whatever the heck she wants. I would not even try to make demands of that creepy ghost child. <laughs> I like whatever like, gets you leave. to leave fastest. Whatever gets you to go away. <laughs> but even that scene was so sad. Like we talked about how certain scenes like feel cold. Like, I felt cold and lonely watching them in the middle of this, like, frozen landscape with nothing. And it's like, dang. Like, I felt so bad, even though I knew it was Scrooge's fault. Like, you just felt his aloneness starting in that scene. And it's such a shift from, like, the warmth of the party previously to then go to that, like, really bleak landscape. But I I do love how that gives additional dimension to the character of Scrooge because you see him as this hardened, grizzled old, old man who is fine being alone, but it's pretty clear. He's not fine with it in the moment and is still not reckoned with that moment as an adult. (laughs) Oh, he has buried that shit deep. So it's, it's again, adding to that kind of character arc that we love to see for folks and they're doing it so masterfully yeah when again it's his it's his greed that gets in the way right like it's not like oh there was some accident and she died or something it's like no it was him and his greed and his choice and his actions to be like oh basically i don't feel rich enough for us to get married yet he's never going to right and i think that's the key is like he will never that's what i think makes him such a 
great character that you can have sympathy for because I think a lot of people, especially like our age, understand that pressure of feeling like you have to be in a certain place before you can have a family and do all this kind of stuff. And even though he's definitely greedy and motivated by greed, he's like not putting together because he keeps saying like, I'm doing this for you. Like I have to have this for you. And she's saying like, no, I don't care about that. And he's just not like putting it together. And I feel like everyone can relate to that feeling of like, there's that fine line of like, I have to be able to take care of, especially back then, not now so much, but back then, if you're a man, like you have to be able to take care of your wife, you have to be able to take care of your family. So I'm sure he's under a lot of pressure as well, in addition to the greed. Yeah, for sure. And I I think like this is the point where we get Scrooge like recognizing where like a lot of like the way he is and like the loneliness that he feels, even if he doesn't want to admit it or recognize it, like a lot of it is his fault and it's like stuff he could do something about. And I think like his his hesitancy to like want to watch that is like one, it's an in- indicative of like a character that does understand himself, even if he doesn't want to like necessarily face that or is starting to understand himself. But again, like it does feel so real when you're like, I know I fucked up and I don't want to think about it. it. Will my brain trigger that memory at like 2 a.m. and keep me from sleeping? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he was thinking about eating bread alone by the fire. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, God, that one Christmas. So we we didn't really explicitly talk about it, but throughout this entire scene, the comedic relief by Rizzo the Rat has been superb. R- Ratsicle being the top of my list. <laughs> Quickly, like very shortly following when his tail was lit on fire by yes. uh, Mr. Dickens Michael, by accident. No yeah. tail. <laughs> put me out. Put me out now. <laughs> Uh, and some comment about not eating talking food, like both yeah. of those. It's just it's such an absurd relief from the the seriousness yeah. of what's yeah. actually going I on. I also love when Rizzo says stuff like that. Sometimes Gonzo will look at him and then just look back to camera and continue. <laughs> and I'm like, that also feels like a real friendship right there. Yes. I also oh, love a sure. good like breaking of the fourth wall. Some people find it kitschy yeah. and like annoying. I always find it funny. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. So kind of end of, end of that scene, the one line that sticks to me is where Scrooge is trying to blame the spirit for what he's seen. And the spirits have a none of his shit. And is like, these events, they are what they are. Do not blame me. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. They happened. Again, what is this? The consequences of Scrooge's actions just uh, redoubled in cinematic form. Yeah. <laughs> so... My favorite sequence, I think, of the movie is the Christmas present one, though, which also my favorite puppet, I think. I love this puppet, particularly, we'll, we'll talk more when we get to the end of the, out of the sequence, but the way they age him, I really like. Yes, I was going to say that. Very skillfully done. For yes. sure. It's like, it's so, like I said, the Christmas Carol is like, actually really deep on so many levels that I feel like it almost really isn't for children at all. this is like such a and like you were saying jade like it is a very important story because like i think like it has such a great message but like 
this is such a great version to like introduce kids at a young age mm-hmm. to like that important story. And then like they'll get more of the depth as they like age and as they watch it again. Um, but I do love this puppet. I love that he has short term memory loss because like he lives in the present. <laughs> okay. Next time I forget something important at work, I'm gonna just gonna be like, I live in the present. I live in the present. <laughs> it's not my fault. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. But the Christmas song is such a delight. Yes. I one of my favorite songs, second only to the Marley song. But the way that they again warm up all the colors and the sets and everything is bright and happy and joyful. Jolly. It just. It makes me feel all of the Christmas, like, feels. We go to Frank's house, um, where we meet his <laughs> wife that earlier Scrooge was like, why did you get married? And he's like, well, I fell in love. And Scrooge is like, that's dumb. <laughs> oh, but the, like... But it, it has a different feel to it now, like, now that we've seen the past and when we meet her and you, like, have that call back to what he said earlier, you're like, ooh. Spoke him like a true, bitter, heartbroken man. <laughs> yep. And I mean, the way that he gets read for filth with that game (laughs) from his own unwanted creature most of the time. I literally covered my mouth because I was like, they just ate him alive in that game. (laughs) That is so (laughs) terrible. Absolutely. He He deserved it, though. But it's still, yeah, he definitely brought it on himself, but it was just like, Damn, they really went for the jugular there. <laughs> they really hurt. It reminded me of the scene in Amadeus where Salieri is in disguise and Mozart's like playing, like basically making fun of other composers and playing like imitations of them on the piano. And Salieri goes play Salieri. And I was like, what did you expect to happen? Don't play stupid games. Yeah. So I, it reminded me of that, though, where I was like, this is such a brutal roasting. And like you asked for it, basically. Because he asks to go see Frank. Like, he's like, yeah. I'll go see my family. Ouch. And they're going to go see Bob Cratchit, which I'm so glad Miss Piggy made an appearance in this. Of course. You can't, you, you can't have Kermit without Miss Piggy. <laughs> like, that's just not that works. Um, their goose that they're cooking is smaller than Rizzo. It's almost who smaller falls through than the Tiny chimney. Tim. I know. <laughs> I always hate that, like, it's so petty how they emphasize his poverty with that super tiny ass bird (laughs) it makes me laugh every time i've never i've honestly never seen a version of a christmas girl where they didn't give him like the world's tiniest like pigeon looking bird for christmas dinner animated live action no matter what but it's like an inch big (laughs) It somehow makes so it smart. worse. Like, I feel like it would be less pathetic if it was like, oh, this is just the leg. It's like, no, this is the whole chicken. <laughs> yeah. A lot of that's bone. Like, you're not getting yeah. much off of it. Um, I love the Cratchits. I just, they're great. I, this was my least favorite song of the the film, though, was the God Bless Us Everyone song. I was kind of like, I get why this is here. You have to have your ballad. I didn't need it. How dare you? Does the Tiny Tim sing it? Tiny Tim has a lot going on. He doesn't need to be singing. Scrooge over here. Jesus. I, yeah, I, 
I still stand by what I said before. I know I didn't hate any of the songs. I just wasn't moved by any of the songs either, including right. the emotional balance. <laughs> I was not. Moved. I sobbed. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't <laughs> sob. Not. I did cry during this movie, but not here. Same. Ugh. So taking a quick turn to the comedic side of things and also the puppetry, which is so great. Rizzo has accidentally fallen down the chimney and burnt his paws on the bird. But you see puffs of smoke coming out of his feet when he's sitting on the bed and trying to cool them down. That was like such a cool effect. They were like puffing smoke out there. So sorry, just had to like the effects piece. I love it. Practical effects all day, every day. That is like why i think to your point jade it doesn't age it doesn't age it's gonna look the same i don't know and i think it's good for the audience that you're you know if i was trying to do something catered towards a younger audience kids find stuff funny that adults normally don't and i feel like kids seeing rizzo with smoke coming out of his feet like that's gonna be really an entertaining and great moment for them yeah you can you can really tell that like you're like Rizzo's doing a lot of service for kids in this, even though I did also laugh at multiple things Rizzo did and said. But like, yeah, you're like, okay, this is the bit that was put in like for the kids. And then it's some of those like greed and economics jokes that you're like, that's for the adults. <laughs> He's such a fun character. But I, I think the the way that the scene kind of shows the softening of Scrooge um, and, and especially how he starts to care for Bob Cratchit's family in a way that when he, you know, builds that brick wall and doesn't want to relate, he can't. He starts to actually care for Tiny Tim and is like, wait, does Tiny Tim survive? And of course, Ghost of Christmas Present is like, I don't know. I'm in the present. But it's <laughs> useless. <laughs> The jolliest, but one of the most useless spirits. But you notice that he's half gray at that yep. point. So yeah. like you can tell his time is near. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But the transition into the, the churchyard, we go from this beautiful, warm, happy, loving scene mm. into... Because that is the key for the Cratchits, right? Like, even though they're poor, like, they're, it is still warmly lit, there's like it's a very like cluttered set like it feels homey like you Cottage feel court. like there's love here. yeah <laughs> Tell there's me still I'm wrong. a lot of joy <laughs> not wrong right it's such a great con- contrast to scrooge's house because like i even love the way that scene was lit because you just have the fireplace so you can just feel the weight of that darkness and that loneliness whereas like the cratchits have way less and somehow their home feels joyous and like you said happy and warm and it's just like this stark difference between the two Mm -hmm, for sure and then that you're shifting from the warmth into that like coldness of the graveyard we've got like the fully gray christmas present explaining that his time is almost up you have the one effect that kind of took me out with the yeah oh god i love how much mist there is you have the little pinpricks of light that i think we're supposed to be kind of like christmas lights i'm not sure my theory, and I don't know if this is at all how they pulled this off, is they actually did have a maybe a duplicate or the same puppet that they wrapped in Christmas lights and had it do all of the same actions and then superimpose the frames. That's my guess. Okay. But I don't know. I can't Sorry. I'm just like it was I thought it was cool. I can't I can't say no to that. <laughs> 
It's not my area. <laughs> but the transition with the giant cloud of fog was so perfect. Yes. And the giant Dementor puppet. <laughs> yes. I always call it the ghost of Christmas future, but I guess technically it's the ghost of Christmas is yet to come. Um, is what he calls it. Yeah. I can never Close remember. Enough. I think it's, it is a crazy Christmas puppet. It, that was the only time I felt a little bit like frightened. I was like, that is very creepy. <laughs> it's very unsettling. It definitely does look like a Dementor. The one thing I will say about this pup, well, actually, there's two things. One, unlike the other puppets, it doesn't have the like do 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 hoppy feel to it. It mm-hmm. glides, um, which gives it that kind of like otherworldly spookiness. And two, I feel like oftentimes in other adaptations or depictions of like Christmas future slash Christmas is yet to come, you have like the black hood and then there's just like pitch blackness underneath, almost like an infinite void with this Mm -hmm. puppet. It was just a fully empty cow. Like we could just see that there was nothing in there. Nothing. And that was weirdly unnerving to me. As unnerving as the ghost of Christmas past, though? No. You mean present? No, past. Yes, past. Still nothing beats, oh my God. beats ghost spirit child. No. But that was a close second. That was like, I don't yeah, want exactly. to see either of those in the dark. Like, honestly, if I have silent, dementor, empty hooded Dementor and child puppet from the past, I'll be like... I'll go with the tall one. Like, <laughs> At least it won't annoy me with its voice. <laughs> I'll take the faceless. The faceless Dementor. Yeah. I'll please. take the faceless <laughs> void of the future. Yeah. <laughs> but they roll on with this entire mood, like visually and in the writing. Gonzo the- and Rizzo bow out here and they, they make a joke about yeah. it being like, oh, you guys are on your own for now. But I do think that that's kind of a nice like step back and being like, Mm -hmm. Hey, we're just not going to be comedic for a little while here because like, this is like the big character turning point and you need to be focused on it. It's not comedic. So I like, it's not at all. I'm here for it. Yeah. Like you need to feel the weight of that moment because even though I laughed darkly when they were pawning off all of this stuff, like, like I love when she says the sheets are still warm. Like that's how fast they looted this man's mansion and brought it to sell. Like how, like if there was ever a sign that you hated somebody, it was like, he's not even yeah. buried. He's not even been removed from the house. And like, you've already taken all this stuff and, and sold it because that's how little you care about him. She probably did like the tablecloth, like the where you like remove the tablecloth so fast everything stays on the table. Yes. I'm like, that's what she did. Like, and I think they're um, the guy she's selling them to makes some joke about like, that's the most warmth he ever had or something yeah. like that. Like, I'm not going to pay more for it. They talk about like the hangings on the bed. They're like, oh, I think mm. the woman trying to sell them is like, oh, they're the nicest damask. He's like, they're the cheapest damask. Yeah. Like, that's, that's- Everything, I mean, Scrooge has always considered his world in terms of like money and like quantifiable uh-huh. spend. That's how people are now looking at him and his life. And that's so yeah. sad. The second worst roast of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> like I said, I laughed, 
but like not because it was funny. It was almost like this is so terrible that I cannot do anything but laugh. It, it's definitely like wearing any humor in this section is like gallows humor. Like you're just like, this is, and I, and I love that Scrooge. It's like, he knows that it's him that they're talking about, but he's hoping it's not. Oh, he's in such denial here. And I'm like, come on, Scrooge. It, it, it not, it, what did he say? It might be my own. No, it is your own. Assuming you don't change anything. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> Um, I was just going to say that's why I like the graveyard scene so much because the ghost of Christmas is yet to come like keeps clearly pointing at like that's your grave but he goes back and forth a couple of times of like are you sure is this real like he's in such like I don't want to accept that this is my future and I thought that was like really well done how he keeps like I'm I can almost accept it but then I can't and I almost accept it but then I can't. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the the just hope and when he's like, but it can be changed, right? Like mm-hmm. this isn't permanent. Like, yeah, it's it's great. And then we get um right kind of between those two sequences, we get the visit to the Cratchits, and this is where I cried. It's where I cried. It's in every adaptation. I know I it's coming in every adaptation. I still cry when they talk about Tiny Tim on the hill being able to see yes. the ducks on the river. Every time. Okay, it was kind of funny that they said it was so, <laughs> so green, sad. though. I also had that thought where I was like, is it green? Because there's snow everywhere else. But... Well, no, it's because they're frogs, Maggie. Oh. Because <laughs> Kermit is green. Okay. <laughs> so it's Tiny Tim. So Sorry. Ian, it's Ian... horrible, horrible joke right there. Ian will be <laughs> representing the child element <laughs> of this movie interpretation. <laughs> Don't I always? Yes. <laughs> True. That seems it's so sad, especially when they just like cut to his lone crutch. I feel like that's also in like yes. every like you don't need to see anything except for the sad family and the lone. Like that just makes you feel how sad it is. It's like they're keeping his crutch. Like that's all they have left is their sons. Like ah, it's a heartbreaking. But the 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 line. Okay, this. Kermit says, sorry, Bob Cratchit says. <laughs> no, it's Kermit. Okay, Kermit. <laughs> Life is made up of meetings and partings. And I shit you not lost it when he said that. I'm like, wow, Kermit <laughs> dropping some deep lines on us in the middle <laughs> of a Christmas carol. And like Kermit's such like a cute Muppet. I think it's because of like the way mm-hmm. his his head like folds over. Like mm-hmm. I just sad looking Kermit just like destroyed me in a way that nothing else can he deflates in a way that no other puppet does yes he looks a little feeble like even out of this movie like there's something about kermit that looks like he needs to be taken care of (laughs) so when you make him sad and uh tiny tim's dad is just like extra extra sad like someone please help kermit yeah like with miss piggy you're like this is so sad for her but like she will pick herself up off the ground she will move on like she's strong with kermit you're like he might not make it he might not let's be real here. he's fragile (laughs) so the final dramatic scene after uh scrooge has finally decided to go and wipe off the tombstone. Michael Caine killing it the whole time. Again, acting so straight to this puppet. And it's just like, ah, this could be the devil himself. And I would still believe it. Like, I don't know. It's 
No, it's it's a, a good perfect performance for mm-hmm. um this movie for that role. Like, I've decided for me, it will be the definitive one, at least for now. I mean, isn't it always already since it kind uh, of is. <laughs> it's what you remember? Yeah. I like the how they handle the transition though, where he just like wakes up at home because I've seen versions where he like falls into the grave or when he like falls into I guess what's supposed to be like hell. And again <laughs> you're below a certain age. That's too much. That's that's traumatizing. Like again, a nine year old does not need to see Scrooge falling into an open grave full of flames. Like, we get it. Like, everything up until this point, like, we felt the weight of his decisions, and we see the consequences. So I like that they let him just, like, be in in, in bed in his house after, instead of, like, let's just go ahead and drive the knife all the way in. <laughs> but I still think that's, like, jarring enough to just all of a yeah. sudden be in such a... a, a- drastically different place Mm -hmm. that for me i think it works beautifully from that perspective because it's like all right wait i'm back in my house i am overjoyed like he is literally dancing around his house in a way we've never seen scrooge move the entire film (laughs) i again kane's performance here like going from just that like desperation into just like the pure relief of like I am alive and I can fix this. I can change this. And like his, his like manic joy, which is still a little bit desperate. It's like, I don't know. I thought it was the perfect balance. And did you notice that everything looks warm again? Ah, looks so good. His cheap curtains are still there. (laughs) (laughs) They're the finest. (laughs) The finest dance curtains. I mean, like, there's no, I can't remember where, I read this somewhere one time, and I can't remember where I read this, but I think about this all the time, but, like, there's no point in being the richest bitch in the graveyard, and I'm like, that's the lesson Scrooge had to learn. There you go. And it's the lesson (laughs) that I say when I want new shoes, (laughs) even though I already have a lot of them. That sounds like a justification move, and I'm here for it. That should be the (laughs) subtitle of A Christmas Carol. (laughs) A Christmas Carol. There's no point being the richest bitch in the graveyard. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. That's the moral of the story. (laughs) It's perfect. Yes. But it is such a great shift. So the, the next, he, Scrooge, all of a sudden is like, let me make this right on christmas in a big day de- big way rose open the windows again knocking rizzo and gonzo <laughs> off the sill um you have the bunny the who the poor bunny who had sung him a christmas carol earlier and was like a co- what was it? it was like a, a, a shilling for the song or something or tuppence i don't know how old british currency worked I it sounds remember. confusing i keep wanting to say tuppence but i feel like i'm just referencing mary Poppins. <laughs> it works we'll say but that bunny I was glad to see him again because yes. we did get a scene of this poor bunny nestled in some newspapers shivering his little furry butt off yes and I yes. was like oh no are we gonna have a bunny sickle <laughs> on our hands um, it's Muppets it'll only get so dark <laughs> yeah that's true very true but th- this song I think I, I this did is like. the one I, I very distinctly remember the start to this song, like the the like kind of tripping 
bit that happens at the beginning, I feel like is the bit that always st- sticks with me. I like that he has a scarf on during this. That's like a visual shift in his character. It's like, oh, now Scrooge has a pop of color. He's a different person. <laughs> <laughs> And how he gets the scarf when he go he finds Beaker and the professor mm-hmm. who were the people asking for the donations and he's like, I'm gonna give you and like whispers some amount that is apparently humongous to them and he's like, you know, that makes up for a lot of like past times when I didn't donate and you had they're like, Oh, we wish you could we could give you something and Beaker takes his scarf and gives it to Scrooge and just like yeah. the look on Scrooge's face of like Oh my god, a present? present like, for me? like you get the feeling he's never gotten one before. Well, he hasn't gotten one before. He's a raging asshole. I feel like <laughs> Belle probably gave him a Christmas present at some point. That right? was that was before Scrooge was Scrooge. You're, okay. If if anyone, it was maybe Bob. I feel like Cratchit probably gave him a present at some Very point. Very true. But- I love that he's for his staff, it's the pails of the shovels of coal so that the mm-hmm. office will be warm. And I was like, only I was like, you know, they like to say like, oh, if you're bad, you'll get coal for Christmas. And I'm like, yes. ah, the Victorian age when you wanted coal for Christmas. <laughs> wanted coal. It's all about perspective, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. One man's coal is another man's central heating. <laughs> yes. But I, I think my favorite gag of probably the whole film was his entrance to the Cratchit household. Oh, yeah. When okay. he is reading Kermit the right act for not being at work. I kind of wanted to be like, oh, Scrooge, you already know that this family's life is like kind of hell. And you're going to be like a little bit of an asshole before you're nice. But we needed a quintessential miss. Piggy, like, <laughs> yes, flame I will fight you. <laughs> I do love that she's like ready to fight Scrooge <laughs> until he says that, um, he's giving Bob the raise and paying their mortgage. Yes, we all need that boss. So cute. <laughs> Where, mm-hmm. Where's the boss? I'd love to have that boss. Are you kidding? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I will say if I were Miss Piggy. I would not be so calm about the fact there were all of a sudden 20 strangers in my house on Christmas Day looking for a feast. That man, Even though they brought the feast. They brought the feast. That man's paying my mortgage. Yeah. Come on in. Okay, yeah. Now, Excuse the mess. <laughs> ah, okay. My perspective has changed. <laughs> the introvert me would um, still be like, you have to leave after an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Take the goose. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, you can have the leftovers, but you have to leave eventually. Um, I love the bit where Gonzo is kind of giving the wrap-up and he goes, um, and Tiny Tim did not die. We needed to hear that. It was very important. I just, I appreciated the confirmation. It's such a sweet ending. It is. And then we get to see the, the, the rooftops like we saw at the, at the beginning. And it's just such a beautiful little book ending. Yeah. yeah. Another great appreciation for the set that they built, too, because... Like, once again, I was just like, wow, they really did all of this for the movie. I was super impressed. (laughs) Pulled out all the stops to build that. Apparently, and I can't remember what shot it is and if it's the one at the end, but there's one of the shots where they pull back and you see London where they said, like, apparently you can tell that, like, the scale of the buildings that they had just built a bunch of small buildings or something. But I, I was like paying attention every time they did the pullback. And I was like, this doesn't, this like, this doesn't 
take me out of it in any way, shape, or form. And it's the Muppets. Like, I'm not going to watch the Muppets because I want to see a scale Realism? model of London. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to see, uh, just out of curiosity, if anyone knew, like, exactly how many puppets were made for the Muppet Christmas Carol answer pending. <laughs> But they did so much stuff. They probably, and I imagine a lot of those were probably like puppets that had been in previous ones. I know one of my favorite things is like when you see like a background puppet that you recognize from a previous Henson film. That's always really fun. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it in time for this podcast, but now I'm really interested like in exactly how many were made for this particular I'm guessing in the high tens. I'm guessing high tens. Maybe low hundred. Like single hundreds would be I my guess. I did read that there were only 10 puppeteers, but I don't know, like, actually, which I actually thought was lower than I thought it was going to be. But that just yeah. lets you know, like, I guess how skilled that they are. Like, we only need 10 people to get this done. <laughs> right, because there are definitely scenes where there are more than 10 puppets. Exactly. And I, I mean, but that also, I guess, makes sense from, like, a set building, right? Because, like, you're only going to be able to get so many people hidden Mm Because you still have to have puppets and actors moving. But I swear there were more than 10 puppets moving at one time in some of these scenes. Oh, I think so, for sure. Imagine the behind the scenes scramble to get from like puppet station to puppet station as you were like going through this continuous shot of some of the the scenes, especially like in the intro. Yeah. That, oh, that just makes it all the more impressive. Puppeteering to me is so interesting because it's, it's such a specific skill set. It requires like training and time. And I'm like, there have to be so few mm-hmm. people in the world with that skill set. I just like would be interested to know, like, do they, like, what was the rehearsal? Like, do they have to rehearse, like, how they're going to move backstage to make sure these scenes go smoothly? And like, how many tries does it get to know that, like, I have to get from this point to this point? You know, in the course of one scene, it'd just be interesting to see how that actually looks when when they're filming. Or, or do they have some situations where they actually run on full force into one another and just like smack and fall over? <laughs> <laughs> there has to be. There has to be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And with some of those scenes, I'm like, there's no cut here. Mm-mm. That was just done. Because even with like the... Now I'm losing the the term, but uh, like Nightmare Before Christmas, they're posing. I mean, that sounds super annoying, but it's like you move Jack Skellington and then you shoot and then you move him a little bit more and you move him a little bit more. Like puppeteering is ongoing. You don't get to stop and like set everything. So that's very cool to me. For sure. And then like you're switching characters and like you have to move the puppets a different way and... Some of them require more than one person. Mm-hmm. It's so cool, though. I I do think that's part of why there is such like a, a staying power with kind of the Muppets franchise is there is an underlying artistry to it and Im- impressiveness of what they're able to pull off. So it like, I am all for it. So unless there's anything else we want to say about the end of the movie, should we return to the question of who's your favorite Muppet? Oh, no, don't make me choose. Because <laughs> it's hard because I feel like my gut is to pick 
the Muppet that's the most like me. And for me, that's Animal. (laughs) 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 Usually that's my pick. (laughs) That's the one I identify with the most. (laughs) That's a good one. And he has his great, like, uh, heavy metal Christmas carol Mm -hmm. going on in the uh, fuzzy wig party. Yes. I just, the way that he goes sometimes from being like calm to a complete spaz, like I just relate to that on so many levels. (laughs) (laughs) I think in this film, if we're allowed to pick one of the ghosts, like of all the Muppets in there, my favorite is Ghost of Christmas Present. It's not too late to crick the baby. You know, you're you're correct. It's not too late, but I'm still not going to do it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I don't know what it is, but I I just love everything about that character and how they were able to essentially make what I kind of view as an analog to Andre the Giant, but in puppet form. And you see his giant, giant, giant taking up the whole room, and then he becomes kind of human-sized. And I don't know, it was just such a fun way to play with Christmas present and in my opinion really heightened kind of the emotional impact that that character is supposed to have in the story so probably my favorite of the movie specific but if I had to pick one of the I was gonna say Christmas present also has your chaos yes Mm, just the right amount which is probably too much some might say too much um if I have to pick one of the like Muppet Muppets, I'm definitely going to be going with Gonzo and his like complete and utter disregard for Rizzo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I am so torn because I feel like oh, previously I would have said Fozzie. I love Fozzie, but I think I have to go Kermit. I think Kermit's my favorite. He's just so adorable. He's and really I just adorable. like, I, I just want to be like, protect Kermit. Um, if we're going with who we identify with the most, I identify with Miss Piggy for better or for worse. <laughs> That's why I said it's a difficult question. With, like, yeah. It's such a hard question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially when like you've just seen them all play like their perfect part. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh God. Because I love Rizzo. I love Rizzo, but I feel like I'm still an animal. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it's slightly bizarre to see characters playing versions of themselves. Like there's something very weird about it, but it does work for me. So, Oh yeah. So it's, yeah, it's like a fictional character playing another fictional character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Characterception. I never thought about that too hard because I love Muppet Treasure Island so much, (laughs) which is the same premise of a classic novel with Muppets, which honestly, I just wish they'd do more of those. Like, I want to see, I want to see Muppet Pride and Prejudice. I want to see. Oh, that would be so good. I would love, now we need to see a vote, like, who would be who in Muppet Pride and Prejudice? I feel like there's like, Miss Piggy's Caroline Bingley. 100%. I feel like you gotta go Kermit is Darcy. Eh, Kermit is too nice to be Darcy. Yeah. He's too nice. I was just thinking because then you have the Miss Piggy angle where... You do. Or or do we have a live action Elizabeth and Darcy and everyone else is Muppets? That's the winner. I feel like uh, Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy have to be real people and then everyone else... Yes. Actually, I could also see Miss Piggy as the mom, Miss Bennett. Yes. Oh and then my Kermit's gosh. Mr. Bennett. <laughs> that, that would, would be work. Yes. 
That would work so good. I don't know who anyone else is. Animal is Lydia. <laughs> Animal is absolutely Lydia. Perfect. <laughs> yes. I agree with that. Oh my god. We need to. Pitch this is this what I'm going to do for the rest of the day. Is all I'm going to do is think about this. Um, so I don't I don't have any other adaptation requests because now this is the only one I can think about. But I do wish they'd go back to classic uh, literature adaptations of the Muppets. I'm down for it. We should pitch this immediately. <laughs> so if uh, I think that wraps if that wraps up any thoughts, I guess, Jay, do you have any other thoughts on the movie or like? I think I'm wrapped. I think my only comment is like if I had to pick a version to show my family if I had a family, I would do the Muppet version. I think it's the perfect balance of it's good for the kids. It's good for adults. You still feel all the weight and the meaning of it without it just being this like dank, depressing, heavy thing. And I don't know if I've gotten that from any other version. Agreed. I love that take because it is so approachable. So I, for me, it's a like 100% recommend it. So yeah, I, I love it. It's great. Um, I would also highly recommend this. If it's not already in your Christmas rotation, definitely get it in there. Join us next time. I don't know when this is airing, so I don't know what's coming out next. It may be another Christmas movie. It may be Platoon, which is two very different vibes. (laughs) But in the meantime, you can find us on social media. We are at Best Pictures Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We are best pictures podcast at gmail.com if you have something more long form please please tweet us the classic literary adaptation of the muppets you want to see or your casting for the muppets pride and prejudice either one i would love to see uh jade thank you so much for coming back on the podcast i can't wait to have you back again in the future no problem so happy to be here as always Any social media you want to plug or anything like that? Let's see. I believe I could be wrong. I think I'm Jade Nicole underscore McDonald on Instagram. <laughs> I know I have Instagram, YouTube, and I have TikTok. But on TikTok, I'm strictly a voyeur. So there's nothing to see. <laughs> nice. Nice. But yeah, so until next time. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Um, Hope to see you again either for another Christmas episode or in the new year.